hi everybody, it's Sheila Gunn-Reed, not Ezra Levant. I'm guest hosting for the Ezra Levant show tonight. And I think we've got a really great show. And I'm not just saying that because I'm hosting, but I'm sure it does factor into my decision to describe it that way. Anyway, we're talking about cry bullies and namely the cry bully in chief, Catherine McKenna. The Ottawa police, if you can believe it, they're investigating a hate crime at her constituency office because some vulgar crank showed up there and called one of her constituency workers the C-word, which is not a nice thing to do, but a hate crime? Um, not so sure. Then our guest tonight is Robbie Picard from Oil & Gas Strong. Now, if you like listening to the show, and I'm sure you do, then you're going to love watching it. I got to tell you, Ezra has a face for TV. But to watch the show, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. It's only 8 bucks a month. I think it's worth every penny. It's cheaper than Netflix. Just go to rebelnews.com slash subscribe to become a member today. And now please enjoy this free audio version of Ezra's show hosted by me. The police are now investigating somebody yelling mean things at Catherine McKenna as a possible hate crime. It's August 13th, 2020. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed and you're watching The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Hate crimes are on the rise, my friends, but I think it might have something to do with everything that hurts a liberal's feelings being investigated as a hate crime these days. Just look at this from the CBC. The Ottawa Police Hate Crimes Unit is investigating after a man screamed obscenities outside Infrastructure and Communities Minister Catherine McKenna's constituency office last week. A 90-second video posted to social media over the weekend shows a man approaching the door of the Ottawa Centre MP's Catherine Street office around 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time Thursday and ringing the bell. It appears the man recorded the video himself. When a female employee opens the door, the man asks to speak to McKenna, but she tells him the office isn't open to the public due, the, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The man then launches into a profane tirade at one point calling McKenna a C-word before the woman shuts the door. Now, I want to tell you right off the hop, the C-word is not really in my vocabulary, and it's just something I can't even in my most angry moments bring myself to use. The only time I might ever use it, and I would only say the C-word and not the actual four-letter word, is if I were to be describing some of the recent things a Liberal or NDPer has called me on Twitter. That's about it. But there's no such thing in the criminal code as a verbal assault. Words are just that. Words. And if we're going to get nitpicky, calling someone a dick is the same as using the C word. And yeah, it's kind of a gendered insult, but get over it. It's not a hate crime. McKenna has called people deniers. 
using the language of Holocaust denial to describe people who are just simply skeptical that taxes may or may not change the weather. And she said she has no time for those Canadians who don't think the same way that she does. Climate change has huge costs now. I have no time for folks who are like, you know, we shouldn't take action. McKenna has called the United We Roll convoy xenophobic. Not that she ever bothered to speak to them herself to hear why they had driven thousands of kilometers to Ottawa to have their voices heard by the government and then ignored. And McKenna has called pipeline workers potential rapists when trying to clumsily explain why she had to shoehorn gender analysis into energy projects. Remember this? Gender impact? How does that fit into a pipeline approval process? So I'm really glad you asked that because I think people are like, well, what is this gender mm -hmm. thing? Well, imagine that you, were, uh, you have uh, a, a huge number of people going to a remote community, many men. What is the impact on the community? What is the impact on women in the community? Mm -hmm. And actually, once again, smart proponents understand this. So they're going to put measures in place. That's all it is. It's just taking a smart approach to thinking about, okay, what's going to be the impact of a major development in a particular area? Okay, that's interesting. All right. McKenna herself is the Minister for Infrastructure and Name-Calling, and she gives it as good as she gets. Let's not kid ourselves. But the Liberals are using the isolated actions of this one vulgar crank as a tool to shut you up and block any sort of criticism directed at them because, oh, you know, it'll incite more vulgar cranks and then it'll be all your fault. Don't believe me? Just see for yourself. The Liberals use the crank who hollered at McKenna to shut people up the very next day. Look at this exchange. I would just point out that the type of baseless allegations that Mr. Polyev keeps making about our government is one of the things that's fueling the type of action that we saw at Minister McKenna's office today. I would beg him to please provide like good, constructive criticism when necessary, but the baseless allegations, these assumptions and the rhetoric that there's always a scandal is, is one of the things that's fueling a lot of the difficulty uh, that, that people are experiencing. And I would just ask for more truth. And the media party, well, they're the shock troops the Liberals are using to shut you up if you criticize anybody they like on the left. Remember when a group of guys got together a few years ago, I think it was 2016, and held a charity golf tournament in central Alberta, and that destroyer premier at the time, Rachel Notley's face, was put on a cardboard cutout as a target for golfers? The media went into full misogynistic hate crime mode. The guys who put the golf tournament together were denounced by the government. It was somehow evidence about the potential for violence against female politicians, like we didn't all realize that this was a cardboard cutout, and eventually an insincere apology was wrung out of the poor guy in charge. Now let me show you the media bias playing out right in front of us. Some company right now has an F.U. Jason Kenney coffee mug for sale. Apparently, 25% of the proceeds of the sale go to provide medical PPE for teachers, which is weird because, you know, the government is actually providing PPE for teachers and students as they go back to school anyway. Now look, I don't care about mugs, and I don't care about t-shirts or cardboard cutouts or any of that. Put whatever you want on them. I'm not uptight about this sort of stuff. I only care insofar as it reveals a shameless hypocrisy all around us. Look how the media portrays this when we're talking about a male conservative premier, 
a few years later versus the female socialist one back then. Shocking as it is blunt, a coffee mug directed at Premier Kenny was meant to start a conversation around UCP policies in the province. Can't you see, you guys, it's just a conversation starter, not a vulgar mug. So what's my advice here? I don't know, don't be Peter McKay tripping over himself to paint these vulgar outbursts as a problem of the masculine, friendly, conservative movement. Because it's not. It happens on all sides. Let the liberals white knight for powerful women who have the entire media and government apparatus in their corner when those women play the victim. And for the rest of you, carry on. Because you didn't do these things. Don't let the media and the liberals force you to be responsible for them. Sympathizing with the cry bullies does not buy you reprieve from them. We've got more on the cry bullies, this time of the environmental movement. Up next, Robbie Picard from Oil Sand Strong joins me to talk about Kean Bexty's trip to Blue River and the tiny house warrior bullies. Stay with us more up next after the break. from his home in Fort McMurray is Robbie Picard from Oil and Gas Strong. And I wanted to have Robbie on the show because long before we ever sent Kean to Blue River and long before Blue River was so publicly complaining about the tiny house warriors infecting their community, the tiny house warriors were on your uh, radar and you were telling everybody who they are and, and what they're trying to do. And what a bunch of hypocrites they are. Um, why do you think it had to get to this? Because it's been almost two years that the tiny house warriors have been blocking the uh, Trans Mountain pipeline construction, but just now they're, the blockade is starting to catch attention. Um, a part of why people are noticing more now is because, like, you know, the uh, the activism on both sides has sort of come to a bit of a halt because of COVID and, and it's changed a lot. You see, I mean, you see, you see a lot less blockades. You, you see a lot less that. Uh, so people are paying more attention. Uh, these two are simple narcissist, narcissist media hounds. They, they don't speak on behalf of all indigenous people. They cause a lot of trouble. Um, I don't think they have any solutions. And I mean, they, 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 their family got their money from owning a gas station at one point, and they're basically driving around trucks and RVs. I mean, it's a glorified summer vacation. They're camping and like everybody else is right now. Um, and they don't care who they terrorize. They don't care. Um, they, they don't, I don't believe they have any morals at all. I, I don't think you can get through them. I don't think you have an intelligent dialogue. I think that it, they get their funding and they do what they need to do. I would encourage more people to say they don't speak on behalf of indigenous people. I, um, they seem to get a pass more, and I think that uh, we need to stand up to them far more aggressively than we have been because it's unacceptable, this type of behavior, and it's becoming a, um, a one-sided normal that it shouldn't exist. You know, that was, I think, one of the most powerful parts of Kian's video is the Indigenous people who actually live in Blue River are saying mm. that these people, these people who are not from the region, who are largely foreign funded, they don't speak for us. And mm -hmm. why is the media allowing them to speak for us? I thought that was really important to point out that 
um, they are sort of foreign interlopers. They're not from the region. They're colonizers. For a bunch of people who are against, you know, colonization, they're colonizing Blue River right now. Um, they're, they're a whole other level of WTF. Like, straight up, <laughs> I don't know how to... I don't know how to killing them. I, I think they're cowards. I think they're both narcissists. I think don't think they're really intelligent. They do have some strong backers, and I and I think that they one thing I'll give them credit for, unlike Sapor Berman and Hedeman, them they actually get dirty. You got to give them credit for that. They have a bit of a street game. They get arrested constantly, and you know one of them lives dangerously. You know she's uh, married to a, a prisoner um, in uh, Los Angeles. Kenahos. How do I say yes. her name? Kenahos so, Manuel. I guess yeah. Um, so, but um, I think the patience of people right now with what we're dealing with between everything in the world right now, between the we scandal and everything else, I think the patience is going away. Bottom line is we need the economy to recover when this COVID stuff is over and we get to a uh, new normal, which who knows how that's going to look. And uh more and more, you'll see people standing up to them. It's nice to see the community standing up to them. Unfortunately, they're just this community is being held as terrorists by these, you know, glorified street thugs. Yeah, and one thing Kian noted in his video was that the National Observer basically has a reporter embedded with the protesters, and yet that mm. reporter does not. I, I mean. I think we know which way they lean. And there's no possible mm. way that reporter is not seeing the things the community is seeing. What I mean is the community is saying, these crazy people are hobo squatting next to our nice community campground. And they're mm. yelling at the people who are coming to our campground, to our community, about what a bunch of racists they are, what a bunch of rapists these young boys, these young white boys are going to grow up to be. Why are these protesters getting a pass for this kind of behavior? Because it's not a one-size-fits-all. And unfortunately, um, fair, it's not fair. So the fact that they're Indigenous, they seem to get a pass because, you know, it, it seems to be, I don't know what the word is. Um, uh, it's, I don't want to say politically correct. They're, they're, I guess they're loose term, like a social justice warriors. And it doesn't, it, it's not, it doesn't apply. Like it, it just doesn't apply. It's unfortunate. They seem to be able to get away with far more than anyone else. It's no different than the, the guy that just uh, um, the wore the, the uh, Make America Great hat and sued, uh, sued the Wall Street Journal and CNN and all that. You know, he was really, other than standing there, they all turned on him like it was his issue when it really wasn't. So it's no different. They're acting like those, uh, the people yelling those, those horrible things to those kids that were at the, the pro-life march in Washington, and they're getting away with it. It's no different. I think that we need to really put an uncomplicated direct lens and articulate what they're doing uh, on a higher level. It's hard, though. I mean, it's hard. It's hard because, you know, like we all have lives and they don't. They can they can. <laughs> what a great life. You get tons of cash. You live in a tiny house. And you get to yell at people. <laughs> what a great life. <laughs> Juan Ellis is an entrepreneur. She's a genius, actually. I thought she was kind of stupid, but the more I think about it, it's great. Like, we'll camp out. People bring us free food all the time. I'll do a GoFundMe anytime I need cash. And then, uh, you know, and I can yell at people all day. Call them a monkey. Call them a monkey. And, I mean, and she's a hypocrite because, as you point out, her family made their cash 
with gas stations? I don't know. Like that's like I don't know what level of screwed up she is. I that's that's like I mean you could get a like a real real thing to analyze it. But what what is, is sad is actually I know quite a bit of her family and friends with her family here in Fort McMurray, um, and <clears throat> um, I. Uh, it's sad because she's damaging her own people for her own sick personal gain. I don't believe she has an end game. Um, and she just, she harasses people for a living. And um, I don't know if that's, if that's a legacy that I'd want, but it's some, that's how it is. She's weaponized abrasiveness. Now, speaking of abrasive, uh, yes. You actually contacted me because you wanted to come on the show and talk about this issue. And then I ended up hosting Ezra's show. And then uh, we sent Key into Blue River. And I thought, what a great thing for us to talk about. But there's something else you want to talk about. Yeah. And that's Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> and you and I, and she's, I think, weaponized abrasiveness. I think, but you and I disagree on this. And we agree on so many things. But because we're friends and we yeah. tolerate each other. We yeah. can be on different sides of the fence here. <laughs> I don't care if Ellen DeGeneres is nice or not nice or if the people around her are nice or not nice. I think her greatest crime is being unfunny. I think she's terribly <laughs> unfunny. COVID has revealed that to everybody because she doesn't have a crew and an audience laughing along and brainwashing everybody into thinking that she's funny. Um, and I think she's gotten away with being unfunny because she had the right politics and she ticked a lot of identity boxes. But you, you like Ellen. So tell me why. Well, I, I don't like, I'm not in love with Ellen as a, as a, as a, for comedy. Okay. <laughs> but what I will say, I don't, I find it funny. Um, and maybe I'm a little sensitive because I had that lesbian post a few years ago. <laughs> I don't like cancel culture on any form. And I, 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 when, so, being that I'm gay, and uh, you know, even though it's hard to tell I'm gay because I'm quite masculine, but um, <laughs> uh, see, see, I'm funny. I don't need an audience. That's um, right. Um, but my point is, is that uh, back in you know, she came out on TV, and that was a big deal. It was very brave, and it was very um, you know, cutting edge at the time that you know, the two a lesbian would come out. She didn't even come out as a lesbian. She came out as gay, which was which is kind of funny. And I get a kick, more so, of the amount of people who use her. So Oprah's been on her show, Obama, George W. Bush. I mean, the guest list is endless. And, and it, it, yes, I will agree. She's, she's not super funny. But, you know, like when she had Jane Fonda on there, and then she's never, ever, ever. And then I got to make a great meme pointing out that Jane Fonda got, uh, got laid on a plane with Ted Turner on a private jet, which means Jane Fonda... <laughs> uses fossil fuels on a whole other level because you cannot have sex on a plane without oh fossil Lord. fuels. I'm just saying. <laughs> so I got that from Ellen. So I owe Ellen credit for that, you know, for that meme that I made. But here's my point. This, I'm blown away, blown away by how no one defends her. I don't know if she was a horrible boss or not, and it's not my place to say, but People have choices, and she could have – they could not work with her or go on her show. So where is Oprah saying, you know what, Ellen, she's not perfect. She's, she's, she's a horrible boss. But, you know, she was good to me. No one is defending Ellen. And that blows 
my mind. So Sheila, I've been on your show probably 97 times. Yeah. And if someone said something bad about you, I'd defend you. I would yeah. say, you know, I've been on a show tons of times. I mean, she doesn't give me any complimentary drinks or anything. There's no <laughs> coffee and I don't have a green room, but I would be, you know, supportive. <laughs> so these guys literally, they, they literally turn their back on someone so harsh. And it happens, it's happening a little bit more on the right. The right tend not to do that. They don't eat their own as often. But I am just shocked at a short memory that people have. These two gay guys that I know were slamming Madonna. They were slamming Madonna so hard. But even though you may or may not like Madonna, Madonna did a lot of good things. I mean, she was the first person to address AIDS back in the 80s. And she paid for medical care for different gay people. And so I, I was blown away how quickly they're going to dismiss Ellen. But all of them would have died. I mean, if tomorrow, if Ellen somehow gets popular again, all of them will be back on her show for her Christmas special trying to get some free shit. That's more my point. So I don't think we really disagree. I just, no, we don't. I think Ellen's a little... Yeah, I think Ellen's a little funnier than you do, and and candidly, <laughs> I, 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 um, but I'm not. No, am I on the Ellen? No, you know what I mean. Like it, it, she's she's okay, um, but I mean, but I'm just blown away at this. Eat your own, and I, I'm shocked that like, well, like how quickly they're gonna cancel someone who, you know, I mean, she provided millions of dollars in income for her network, jobs for all those mm -hmm. people like her, her haters. She provided jobs. She provided a, th a good income for people. So I'm not convinced that, like, you know, no one is perfect. No one is perfect, but everyone seems to try to act like they are, and then somehow they have some sort of moral high ground over everyone else. So I'm blown away. You know, where's President Obama saying, you know, Ellen's not so bad. She had the first black presidential candidate and supported him. You know what I mean? Or where's Oprah saying, like, you know, I mean, you know, Ellen had her dogs there. Although I think all, Ellen was a little mean to Oprah because I watched that episode and then she made Oprah walk around with uncomfortable shoes quite far to her limo and <laughs> Oprah was a little disheveled from that. And, but, you know, so that's all I'm saying. It's just like I, I don't super, super support Ellen. I just, you know, I, made, I just made a post. Like, remember when she did this? And, and, it, and then people are like, well, you know, it doesn't cancel out everything she, she did. No, it doesn't. But it also everything. So here's my point with this cancel culture. People are complex. There's no perfect person either way. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what? I I thought maybe we disagreed, but we don't disagree. I do dislike the disloyalty also. Um, and I think it's interesting that this entire industry of people who kept Harvey Weinstein's secrets are all of a sudden now roasting Ellen. Again, I think her biggest sin is being unfunny. And for that, she should have been canceled a long time ago. But yeah, to hear uh, an entire industry who kept a sexual predator's secrets, including Oprah, by the way, uh, yeah. basically hang Ellen out to dry seems a touch hypocritical to me. So yeah, you know what? Look at that. We had a discussion and we came to a meeting <laughs> of the minds. Uh, Robbie, I wanna, <laughs> isn't that weird? Uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show. We'll have you back on again real soon. Uh, take thank care you of yourself. Always a pleasure. Okay. Do you want me to dance or something to close? No, no. please don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Stay with us more up next after the break.
Heidi, welcome back. This is the portion of the show where you know if you're a regular viewer, Ezra reads your letters and sometimes even his hate mail. Now, I'm going to leave the hate mail for him and let's just take a look back at some of the nicer, more thoughtful things you folks at home had to say to us lately. On my Wednesday night show, The Gun Show, I spoke with Michelle Sterling from Friends of Science about how parents are infecting their own children with unwarranted climate anxiety. On that show, Bruce writes, I'll call myself a climate realist from now on. It sums up what's going on around us. I remember hearing about the population bomb and degradation of the climate 50 years ago, but we're all still here and there's no worldwide famine. The Southwest United States is still habitable. Alberta didn't become a desert in 2010. The maritime provinces haven't been eroded away either. These climate alarmists can go jump in the nearest cooling lake. You know, Bruce, I'm starting to lose track of the number of times we were all supposed to be dead already from lack of food, from overcrowding, from acid rain, the hole in the ozone layer, the nuclear holocaust, and New York, as you'll recall, was supposed to be underwater because of rising sea levels long before their governor mismanaged the coronavirus pandemic that was also supposed to kill us all. On some level, I pity people who are so easily prone to hysteria and panic because it's got to be a tough way to go through life. Andrea Humphrey's interview with Derek Sloan, Colin writes, I'm a PPC supporter, but if Sloan wins, then the Conservative Party of Canada will get my vote again. You know, Colin, I did ask Derek Sloan about that very issue at the debate hosted by the Independent Press Gallery. Because as we all know, there's been a lot of bad blood between the two parties. And most of that is based on how the Conservative Party went out of their way to treat the PPC. And Sloan did assure me that he would try to be ecumenical and reach out and welcome those longtime conservatives, let's be honest, back into the fold. And he was the only one who has said anything like that in this race. On Kean's video about how Calgary's Mayor Nahid Nenshi is paying anti-white radicals to paint over a beloved city mural, and you can see the full story at savethemural.com, Michelle writes, pick another wall. It shouldn't be that hard. There are a lot of empty downtown office buildings. Shame on the mayor for picking a wall that's already taken and represents a beacon of hope and peace for everyone. Michelle, exactly, exactly. Calgary's a big city of way over a million people. Surely there's another wall out there that the mayor wants to waste money paying an activist to scribble on, I guess. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you, everybody in the Toronto studio for making the magic happen as I record this from my home studio here in Alberta. Uh, and thank all of you so much for tuning in. Ezra should be back in the big chair next week. And since it's Ezra's show and not mine, I'll say his tagline, stay safe and keep fighting for freedom.